Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 74 with my friend Mindy. You might know her as Melinda. Doesn't matter. We all call her different things. Not really. It's just those two, I believe. <laughs> but I've known Mindy uh, literally as long as I can remember. Uh, we grew up in neighborhoods next to each other, and our brothers were friends when we were very, very tiny. And I got to catch up with her and just really get uh, inspired by some growth stories. Guys, I hope you get the same. We really run the gambit. Uh, no one's going to walk away from this episode without knowing everything there is to know about, about Mindy. So listen to it, check it out, and love it as much as I do. And I will talk to you guys after the episode. But without further ado, here's my friend, Mindy. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? No, it's this. Uh, well, now I can't say that. Now it's not this. Now it is back right. in, in person if you're vaccinated. Right. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I did Zooms. Zooms for so long. It was the worst. I know. <laughs> Especially with children, that's really fun. Oh, I bet. My kids have told everybody that they have to pee or wipe my butt. That's yeah. great. I mean, I do the same thing. I tell everybody <laughs> that as well. Um, <laughs> just how I talk. Yeah. Uh, just so you guys know, got to go wipe my butt. I forgot to do that earlier. Terrible. Yeah. So I normally start out with how I know people. And I'm trying to think. You might be the oldest or close to um because i've known you since i can remember <laughs> like elementary school yeah. like getting off the bus and stuff i think because my mom and i were talking about it yesterday we were trying to remember like when you came into our lives and i was like she was like i think i'm like you babysat them right and like you lived in did the hood babysat? i don't think you babysat Not us. my my mom did like you oh. were on her emergency contact list she said i even picked him up one day he got sick at school what? I don't and she that. picked you up <laughs> Because you were like, they had called everybody and the last person was my mom. Jeez. Well, I go, did you go get them? And she was like, yeah. Because my them. brother and your brother were good friends for this short window of time. Which was really Elementary weird. school. Because they're complete opposite. <laughs> yeah. And for some, and like nobody was nice to my brother. Everybody picked on him. And you would think that your brother would have picked on him. And they got along. Yeah, I don't know. And you guys lived at the, at the right at the edge there of Birdland, as I called it. Chickity Lane. Yeah. Do you know so, that when I dream, I all my dreams are on Chickadee Lane. That's weird. Oh, something's calling you. Something's calling you. No, <laughs> I just think that that's like, that was like my first home. So it was like. Yeah. Oh my God. I can. I'll get, I, I'll and get I remember that. every little thing about Chickadee Lane. Yeah. And in my I, dreams. I'm going to try to timeline this. So I typically follow, the only narrative I follow is somewhat of a timeline. Um. I don't know if that's going to work today, but I uh, I will try not to trail off and spend, you know, well, good luck the entire me. time on, on pre-18. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I knew you as my brother's friend's sister, and, and then we always went to school together. Um, we never really hung out. We had like friends in similar groups. Like I do have my, my, my favorite memory and one of the last memories I have of you before seeing you again today is you, me, and Scott Miller <gasps> at some beach in Deerwood um, down off M15. Oh, 
Oh. Like late at night, and we were yep. all hanging out on like a picnic table, and I was like, I didn't even know this fucking beach existed. Yeah. And then I ended up taking this. This story's gonna take a sad turn. I'm sorry, I didn't <laughs> expect this part, but I ended up the night before we put my dog down, like when I, right around that same time, I took my dog there like as a last thing. Oh my gosh, that's um, so sad. <laughs> so that's like, I know, I know this beach exists. I'll take my dog to this beach. Um, I don't remember me, but, you, and Scott Miller hanging out. I don't. My memory is horrible. I'm sure right. we did. Um, I'm, sure, I'm not lying, I promise. But the other, like, after that, I don't think we saw each other until no, today. No, I think we just became Facebook friends. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Um, so that's it. Uh, but... I'm curious to know so many things and I want to go back in time. I know I learned a new thing today already about this question, but I know you have an older brother and a younger sister and now you have another younger sister. It's a half sister, 16 yes. years younger, yeah. which is nutty, which I'll get into that too. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm going to try to follow the timeline here. So you were unique when I met you in that your parents were already divorced, right? I or, think they were. Yeah. They were already divorced. I think my mom was like awesome, another divorced mother. <laughs> like, yeah, that and was not I, yeah, common at that it time. wasn't. Yeah, and so I remember. Yeah, they had that in common, the yeah. single motherhood. And then we, I mean, we lived right around the corner. Yep. Um, at the time, but so, what? How far apart are you from your younger sister? So Clara is two years younger, okay. and then Chris is two years older. So I'm, you don't remember her being born. No. So you were, you were super young. No. Um, and then Emma, my mom got remarried. And then Emma was born when I was 16. We'll get into that. Um, but what, so what is it like growing up in that house? And what age did your parents get divorced? Because you must have been super young. I want to say I was like 12 or 13. You were that old? I think so. <laughs> I don't really remember. I'm horrible So with you memories. were out of elementary school. Yeah. Oh. Was I? Then yeah. Then maybe I'm wrong. Because, I mean, my brother and Chris were hanging out when they were in, like, fifth grade. I'm really bad, but I think... <laughs> I mean, it's maybe? your family. You would know better than me. I don't know. I can't really remember when they got divorced. It's funny how we frame these things. Um, so, then what's life like growing up with, with your older brother and your sister in, in the house? and Oh, that was really challenging. Um, being the middle sibling. So my mother did not work um, when my parents were married. She didn't have a career. She didn't have an education. Um, she was an awesome mom, but that's what she knew. And so when they got divorced, she had to figure out how she was going to make it in the world. And she decided to go back to nursing school. So she, um, as a single mother, went to nursing school all day. And then, do you remember um, Farmer Jack's, yeah. the grocery store? She put up stock there at night. So my mom was never home. Like, she was always either working or going to school. Um, we had moved into the Hidden Lake Apartments off. Was yeah, that... I lived there. Sashaba and, yes. uh, well, and maybe. Sashaba yeah. maybe. Yeah. Right there. We lived in those. And, um, I mean, she didn't even have a bedroom. It was just like a two-bedroom yeah. apartment. What was that like going from... Because you guys had a huge house. Um, yeah. 
uh, on Chickadee yeah. <laughs> Lane. Um, what was it like going from that as a kid, like going from that house to the apartment? It was terrifying and embarrassing because we grew up in a pretty wealthy community. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't even think I knew anybody that lived in an apartment, or at least if I did know them, I didn't know they lived in an apartment. Yeah. And um, I was really, really embarrassed. To, and and they were the nicest apartments. They had like three pools, two workout centers. Like now that I'm an adult, I was like, Oh yeah, the apartments whoa. themselves are really nice. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, those are nice apartments. Like now that I'm an adult, yeah. I was like, She really put us in some nice apartments. But at the time, I was completely embarrassed yeah. and didn't want anybody to know. I remember like. I walked to Sashaba Middle School and like didn't want anybody to see that I came from the apartments. And That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know anybody that lived in an apartment until like freshman year high school. Right. Because we grew up in a really rich community. Which is funny because I did not grow up <laughs> with any sort of money whatsoever. Um, yeah. What did your dad do then when, when your parents divorced? Or so well, let's he, back up further. What did your dad do like work-wise and, and what, where was his role pre-divorce? So pre-divorce, he worked um, at an airport in Pontiac. Oh, the yeah, The only yeah. airport in Pontiac. Yeah, yeah. He worked at that airport. Um, and I think it kind of led up to the divorce. Um, he had been doing some shady stuff, ended up getting fired. Okay. Yeah. Um made things really tumultuous in the family and they ended up splitting and then he lost his job he went through like a million different jobs i think at some point and then he ended up moving to was it northville or like the livonia area and that's where i would have to go on the weekends like because he had the weekends and it was awful because like I never got to go hang out with friends. I never went to a yeah. football game. I never got to go to the sleepover or the birthday party because I was always having to go to my dad's house. What um, what age does that, what is it, 16, you're allowed to just do whatever you want? Or is it 13? Well, he ended up, I think it was like when I was 13. So he must have, no, this is what it was. I was younger than 13, but it was when I was 13, he took off. He disappeared. Oh, Define disappeared. As in we didn't know where he was. Oh. As in didn't really want to pay child support. He didn't really want to be a dad anymore. How was that? Um, In ways, I think I felt relieved because I really didn't like going back and forth between my parents' house. Um, And it never really felt like home at his house. Before the divorce, though, did you guys have a good relationship at all or... It was okay, but he was more of just, like, fun dad. Okay. Like, yeah. you know, my mom did all the child rearing, and then he was, like, Mr. Fun Guy who just came in and played and then made my mom look like the bad person because she was doing the child rearing and all the hard stuff. Projecting question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did he drink? <laughs> was he a big drinker? No, I don't think he drank. Okay. I don't think. And that's where, like, I mean, I remember... Maybe they had a cocktail here and there, but they didn't. Oh, okay. They didn't drink. So how long has he disappeared for? He disappeared. We we would like hear if he kept a job for more than six months, friend of the court would find him and take money. So we would be yeah. like, oh, we found out he's in Arizona or he's here oh, or he's there. And then he decided to reappear 
when I became pregnant with my first baby Charlie. And he wanted to be Instagrandpa. I didn't really want to be my dad all those years, but he wanted to be Instagrandpa, so that was kind of funny. All right, I'm going to circle back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. Um, but besides that, the so it sounds like your parents divorced. You move into this apartment uh, right at that special time in our lives when right. we like transition to junior high. Right. What's what? My God, what is was... going on for you in that? Cause that like that those literally the worst years of my life. <laughs> I went from like thirteen to twenty overnight. I started um, taking care of my brother and my sister. My brother is older, but as you know, like he needed help like with me, just like with laundry and making dinner and things like that. So I w- kind of became the mom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I wasn't a kid anymore. I had a lot of, on my plate. Um, I know that this is when my anxiety started because it was really scary to feel that much responsibility at such a young age. And I did feel responsible for holding the family together during that scary time. Yeah. I imagine that's, that's a lot of weight Yeah, and it like fits so ironically perfectly with like middle child syndrome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that, yeah. Right when you're going through a bunch of crap, just as a person, mm-hmm. as we all as we all do, yeah, uh, you have to take completely all that awkward. Yeah. Didn't, yeah. So yeah, I took on a bunch of responsibility and was trying to hold the family together. And my mom was really struggling, um, just with life in general. And then um, she dealt with a lot of anxiety and depression as well. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, and so I felt like I can't really fall apart because everybody else is falling apart, so I can't. So kind of had to hold everything so together. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. there's just a lot of enmeshment and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but we made it through. Yeah, for sure. Uh, people are resilient. It's crazy. <laughs> yes, they are. So what are you doing outside of your home? Um, I know you're you're at your dad's on weekends and stuff. Are you you still have any resemblance of a social life or no? Any extracurricular? No, activities? I think it was. I started working the day I turned like 14. Um, I worked at Greg's Pizza. Oh, yeah. Famous Bread Greg's Breadsticks. Bread <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I still crave those all the time. Yeah, like, you and everyone oh, else, I think. So good. Cheese dip. Um, so I worked there. I was horrible. Oh, my God. I was so bad at my first job. I think I messed up everything. We had like... I was so nervous and so scared, and I think I messed up every single pizza order, every single one. I just would like hand. I was so nervous. I just hand people pizzas because I was like, "Here, take this." That's so funny. I don't know what to do. I'm scared. Um, and then I started working at Joe Bologna. Oh yeah, that oh was a god, big part of my life. That was a huge part there. of my life. Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks now. I love Joe Bologna, and like I worked big there. Big ass aprons. I think Scott even worked there at one point. I think that's my right. sister worked with me. Oh my god! I was best friends with Megan Smith, totally, and we like that's where we became besties. I totally see you working there. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember that. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So many fun. Chad's dad all the time. Um, Did I? (laughs) I don't know. He went there all the time. Um, That's so crazy. So, I I mean, that brings us up to high school. That was my social life. Was going to work and my friends there and my time there. Did it ever feel like? 
it like a good work ethic like I, that you were channeling all of this into that and so you were working a lot and well it was my social time so yeah i mean i loved work yeah. i looked forward to it and it was my time i had to work because if i wanted like well at that age i had to have like cute clothes and whatever and if i wanted any of that i had to work yeah. if i wanted a flip phone i had to Hell work yeah. if i wanted my geostorm <laughs> first car oh my god geostorm geo geos in general gone oh my god Sorry. amazing car it was a roller skate but um about as safe as a roller skate it's chad got a tracker was his first car really really living That's... them geo dreams yeah um. geos are amazing <laughs> so um yeah i had to work if i wanted any of those things and like i really wanted those things because like everybody we grew up with had a lot of things so i yeah. felt like i needed those things too so i wanted to work um, but then it also allowed me to have friendships and it was my social time. And it was also something that I like started to take pride in and feel like, oh, maybe you're good at something and felt recognized for being good at something. So it gave me self-esteem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I wonder, and the, my, cause my brother did a similar thing and he told, he told me about it on this podcast, but he, uh, you know, we didn't grow up with much and all his friends had everything else. Everything mm-hmm. like all his friends had money and right. nice clothes and the whole mm-hmm. nine yards, right? Both parents. Right. <laughs> and so he, he started working immediately when he could and he would spend his money on that on mm-hmm. all the stuff. So he would have all that stuff that he was without. And I would like, were you fueling that underneath? Like the, oh, absolutely. everybody had what I don't and I'm going to, so I'm going to, like, was that your motivation for stuff? Like, I'm going to make myself yeah, at the level I see these other people at. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. If I saw people with, yeah, I needed to have that too. I wanted to, fi- I wanted to fit in. Yeah. I wanted nice things because I saw everybody having nice things. Yeah. Right. I mean, so <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I'm just making sense of it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so... Are you are you doing anything else in in high school? Like, I know you played violin when you were a kid. Did you transition into band at all or anything like that? No, I didn't. Um, all those extracurriculars, you know, were kind of off the plate because we didn't have money. Yeah. It's crazy how much all that stuff costs. I didn't know until I became a parent and like understanding. But I always was really angry because I couldn't do those. But now I realize like they're yeah. a lot of money. Um, so no, I didn't. Um, I like to tell people that, you know, like, what sports did you do? I did track for a little bit in middle school. I was the two mile and the one mile. I'm a distance runner. Nice. I was. I don't run <laughs> not, anymore. Not running distance no. anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, and then I was the president of the Spanish club. Ooh. That was a funny story. Hola. Um, <laughs> do you speak any Spanish today? I do. Oh, nice. I do. You I do. Some I of it? did retain it. A That's lot of a Spanish, rare and I can speak some <laughs> Spanish, which is crazy. Um, yeah. I, how do how were you overall in school, like academically? Like a four point student. I okay. my standards were like extremely unrealistic. Where did that come from? Because it was something I could have control over, yeah. whereas I, could, I felt like everything was out of control in my life. So I felt like the one thing that I knew I could control were my grades, yeah. and they were perfect. Yeah. Did that um, need for control manifest in anything else when Um, you were younger? When I was younger? 
No, but it was just all from that, you know, the anxiety of the unknown, like, you know, with the family situation and things that I couldn't control. It just, I knew that it was something that I could have under control. So, um, and I think I just wanted um, praise. Yeah. Yeah, you have plenty of that as a four-point student. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, 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 I assume I was a one-point-nine student. <laughs> uh, so I imagine with that GPA and president of the Spanish club. I was the sp- president um, of the Spanish club. <laughs> I imagine with that, college was immediately on your radar. College was immediately on my radar and um everybody was going away to universities and i quickly found out from my mother that that was not in my future that she um i found out when i was 16 that she was pregnant and i was livid yeah Let's and so I, I almost skipped over that. You see, I got so distracted with your own life. I well, forgot this about is where people. it comes in because like she becomes pregnant, and I'm like, why would you do this to me? I want to go away to a university, and she's like, I mean, you're going to community college. That's your choice. Your only choice. Because I'm not paying student loans, Mindy. <laughs> I but I was so young that I didn't even you. know that. But it's so good to point that out because I think about that and. I hear people constantly tell me like, oh, there was that, you know, we couldn't afford it or like there was the concern of cost or whatever. And I was like, what about, what about student? Like, it's such a big issue now that it it never gets mentioned for people like of our generation, I feel like until, you know, years later when they have to pay back the ones that they got. But that. No, I mean, now I'm like, why didn't I just take out student loans? It's not really a big deal. And just like go. And um, it was just somebody that's how like young I was somebody could just say like yeah. you can't you're going to a community college and I was like okay really like you know like yeah. I didn't even think about that and my grades were amazing and I totally would have gotten into a great college I didn't even apply oh, okay I didn't even apply because I was told like you know you got there was that meep scholarship yeah yeah, I got, I got that. that. That's I the only are. reason I went to OCC when I was 18. So I went to OCC. <laughs> I did two years and got 60 free credits, which, um, you know, after becoming a student at OCC, I was not angry. What an amazing college. Yeah. I had some amazing teachers. Yeah. Um, like I told you earlier today, I have three degrees from there. Right. <laughs> no, I mean, the second I became a student there, I was super happy and like, I felt like I really got an education tailored right to me one-on-one, um, which was so awesome and really gave me a great foundation for my, you know, future endeavors. But, um, I was, it, it was just a status thing, like yeah. saying where I went to school. And so before that, then your mom gets pregnant. Do you already know that she's like been dating and stuff? And yeah, I mean, she started dating my stepdad, Matt. They hadn't dated very long. I want to say like they dated for maybe six months before she was engaged. She was engaged, found out she was pregnant, like found the pregnancy test in the garbage with my sister. And we were like, oh my gosh, Was that look. your favorite sister and we were, <laughs> Oh, we remember we were both pissed because we were both had like, you know, and my sister's really smart yeah, too. So we teenagers. both had 
um, universities on our agenda, and we were both like, "How are we going to go to college now? She got another kid, and blah, 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 you know, like." Yeah. So we were, oh, and I remember we just let her have it. I just like Clara knew I was the meaner of the sister, so she like let me just looking give it back. To her. Do you feel any, any? Do you feel bad about that at all? No. Just having kids now, like your mom realizing she's pregnant, like with teenagers and then she's i mean i guess it's not really their choice what adults do but i do think it was like i don't know we were older it could have been a family discussion like i'm trying to think of the vulnerability of finding out you're pregnant in that position and but i i I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm making things up in my head. I'm writing a narrative right now. I know. I'm like, um, where are you going? Okay. So what does the end of high school then look like? Your your idea of taking your GPA with you to a university is kind of shattered. Uh, mm-hmm. Your mom's pregnant with a kid uh, and you have like the last two years of high school. Like, What does that look like? Yeah. I was helping with Emma, who is my now 23-year-old sister. Oh, my God. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I was helping with her and I was angry about it because there were some nights where like I wanted to go out with friends and I was taking care of an infant, um, helping with her and that, yeah, I remember taking her around even in my geostorm in her car seat, like not okay. <laughs> like It was like, I look back and it was a, it was a really great experience because like it definitely, um, I knew I didn't want to rush into having kids. Yeah. It was an amazing form of birth control. And the fact that, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask if it, which way it went. Whoa. It sound, I was like, this is either going to make you be like, I think I want to be a mom, or it's going to make you no. be like, no. It was like, I'm going to have fun. <laughs> I'm going to live my life. And I'm going to be ready when I have kids, because this yeah. is a real deal. Yeah, it was intense. So um, so let's talk about living your life then. So what does that look like? At what age? Um, well, I guess you, you're staying at home when you go to OCC. Mm-hmm. Yep, I was pretty um, studious. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really, like... Um, oh, no, I did. I was friends with Megan Smith. We were, like, attached at the hip for a long is. time. Cute little skinny blonde, short hair. Anyway, we were, like, besties. We did everything <laughs> together. We met at Joe Bologna. Um, we... Um, she went to the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. So I would go there on my weekends. Okay. And that's where I would kind of like hang out with her and drink and party and try to get the, you know, university lifestyle. But, um, and that was my goal to go there. So I did. I transferred there after two years at OCC. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I was there only for like a couple of months and I had like this little (laughs) mini nervous breakdown. What does that look like? Um, I had my first panic attack okay. at 21 and terrified me. I thought my, like, now that I've, like, lived with anxiety yeah. and depression, like, oh, God, it was just, like, a teeny blip. And I'm, like, I mean, literally, I shut down my life. I was just, like, life is over. I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm dying. Were there contributing, like, triggering factors? Like, was it? Oh, I know exactly what it was. It was self-esteem. Okay. It was... I don't think I'm good enough. I'm, you know, I came from a poor family. I'm at this rich school. I'm at this very prestigious school. I'm transferring in as a junior. Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Like, um, 
you know, everybody already has their friends and they're this and they're that. And I'm the community college transfer in student. And I, th- I think I just, you know, I was really insecure yeah. and my anxiety um, just came to fruition. And I had my first panic attack and they just kept happening. And I was like, okay, life is over. I'm done. Like, That's the first time you're living away from home too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's big. <laughs> yeah, it was big. <laughs> and it's funny. I think the older you are, the harder it is. Yeah, the scarier it is because the more like aware of life you are, it is right. Like, I was. I was questioning everything. I was just like, oh, I'm taking out student loans now. Oh my gosh! Like big decisions. And is this the right path I want to take? And like now that I'm older, I'm like, oh my gosh, why did I think so much? Like just have fun. You grew up that whole way, taking care of your family. I know. I know. And I just stuff. yeah. So, um, I remember, I like saw a therapist there they jacked me full of a bunch of xanax and ativan which was how they used to treat it back in the day thank god they don't anymore (laughs) so um that was awesome i was pretty sedated for a while and then i ended up at i remember waking up i was home and i dropped out of school because it was all so scary um and not really good psychiatric help at the time, yeah. <laughs> even though I was at a university. And then this is when you refer to home as up here. They were actually like, I came home to Clarkson for like a day or so. They were in the process of moving okay. to Traverse City. Yeah. So home became Traverse City, which I like, think I had come here one weekend. Remember, that was like the only time I had ever been here. Hmm. And I had never, yeah, and I moved up here. Um, I wanted to jump back because you, you, you talked about how you, you dream, your dreams are in chickadee lane. They are. And I'm I'm curious if you can describe what, what it feels like to lose that house. Oh, that was devastating. Cause that was, yeah, that's, that was a big one for me. Both like the original house, my mom and dad were both in on Chestnut Hills and yeah. then when I was 18, my mom, my grandma sold the house that like I grew up in, you know, the rest of my childhood. And it like, I still am like, should I go buy that house? Like right. I, it's, I have a fucking Zillow alert on it. Yeah. No, I, I remember it was devastating. I think we tried to hype it up that like, we're going to an apartment with a pool and a workout center. And like, I remember being excited about those things and like, our new start and I remember my mom buying like new dishes and new things and that was like exciting but I mean there's still such a connection to that house and I think like every time somehow we end up back in Clarkson we all like go there and knock on the door and always like harass the person who lives there and was like we used to live here and that's my room and um take pictures in front of it and stuff i've never done that oh i've definitely taken drive-by pictures but i've i've never stopped and been like hi that those boards up in that tree in the backyard that's from a tree fort i used to have yeah we did i think claire and i did Yeah, we did that stuff. Because you're girls, you can do that. I feel yeah. like if if I walk, if my six foot three, two hundred fifty yeah. pound ass walks your door and be like, "Can I come in your house?" <laughs> They'll be like, uh, "I'm calling the fucking cops." Yeah. No, I think we did that one time, and then we took pictures in front one time. I don't know. He's like, "Hey, two cute girls are at my house. They want to look around. Mm-hmm. Whatever." Yeah, it's fine. They're safe. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just curious about that. I think there's there's something really special uh in in the way that we attach ourselves to the that 
that home yeah both physically and, and mentally and and uh when when it's gone it's very it's very strange to lose a childhood home yeah so yeah i just it's curious mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so now you are in traverse city yes what are you doing with your life <laughs> so i end up in traverse city i have to like regroup and figure out like okay what am i doing um i started waiting tables at a restaurant and um partying a lot i would make a lot of money and then go spend it at the bar what is partying like in traverse city in the early 2000s it was great because that's before it was insane <laughs> like i think michael moore just started doing film yeah up he here. just started doing film. no it was still pretty fun like um like especially during like the summer it was it's always been a tourist town i yeah. remember hanging out at the bars and like you know i remember hanging out with like the blue angels when they would come and drink with them and like there were always like people in town on vacation and everybody wanted to party so like yeah. in the winter i mean it was pretty sad and then i applied to school i decided i should probably get a degree at some point partying's fun but like it's so much fun <laughs> so much fun but i should probably have like a real job yeah and i went down to the northwestern michigan college okay I said, what kind of programs do you have here? How can I get a degree? And they're like, well, we have this great nursing program. And I was like, my mom's a nurse. I don't know if I want to do that. That sounds gross. They're like, are you sure? And I was like, well, maybe I'll give it a try. And at that time, like, there were no waiting lists. I like, the, uh, my mom's a nurse. That sounds gross. Yeah. <laughs> and she had kind of always said, like, don't do it. So, yeah. So I started the nursing program um, when I was 23 years old. So I graduated and I had a lot of fun in nursing school. I had like a bestie and we continued to party. I was gonna say, did that just keep on going? Oh my gosh, yeah, we drank a lot. We drank a whole lot. And we still like, we did really well in school. Um, Well, I imagine you have like, from all the years of the strict GPA stuff you mm -hmm. kept on yourself, that's just embedded in you now. So whether you do the, the bad shit on the side, you're still gonna yeah do well in school (laughs) yeah we would always say we were studying and then we would just end up drinking a lot and (laughs) dance parties and stuff just jumping back for a second i'm I'm just wondering when you were at u of m were you partying or were you like i wasn't even really there that long i really wasn't i'm just wondering if there was a balance there because maybe like the partying is taking away the anxiety and stress uh, that the school is putting on you and but if you didn't have that balance, you I just, were just I don't even think I was really partying because I didn't even give it a chance to even fit in and find yeah. out where I fit in to even party. Yeah. I was just kind of like tagging along That's at that weird. point. Yeah, no. Just curious. I didn't even get there. So yeah, I do awesome through nursing school. I graduate. I get a job right away on a busy med surge unit, like 40 bed med surge unit. And I end up like working there for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, at what point do you meet your ex-husband? So I meet my ex-husband at Munson Medical Center, which is where I've got my first job as a nurse. He was the IT person, and I was really okay. good at breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just clicked the link. I don't understand. I don't understand what I did. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, you know that I am a fierce advocate for therapy. All right, let's face it, this whole show does not exist without the leaps and bounds that I've been able to make in therapy. And that's why I am so proud to have BetterHelp sponsor this show. Ask yourself this question. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Or is is preventing you from achieving your goals? You know, I've spent time in therapy learning to rein in my need for external validation, and it's a big need. Uh, But BetterHelp will assess your needs match you with your own licensed professional therapist, maybe even me one day. Uh, and there is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's like 15,000 plus counselor network. That's a lot of counselors, which may not be locally available in many areas. You know, they did a whole report on this and it's available for clients worldwide. So when you sign up, you can start communicating within 48 hours. And then if you're like me, you know, are you getting those random light bulb moments like I do? You're laying in bed and you're like, oh, Uh, Well, with BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule your weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room with traditional therapy. And guys, I know that waiting room awkwardness. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. No more awkward therapist breakups if you and your counselor aren't a match. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash friendrequest. That's BetterHelp and join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for my friends out there, my friend request listeners, if you will. You get 10% off your first month of counseling when you visit betterhelp.com slash friend request. That's betterhelp.com slash friend request. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. Um, so I met him there like right before I turned 30. Okay. Um, we dated on and off for f- three years. Did you have other relationships, like any long-term relationships before then? No. No. So this was the first one? Yeah. What does on and off for three years look like? Oh, not great. Okay. Like, we fought about everything, and, like, I kind of knew, like, this probably isn't a great match. (laughs) But um, I was drinking a lot still, and I was getting scared that I was going to miss the boat to have kids. Everybody was kind of like doing that kid thing. I knew I really, really wanted kids. Everybody was pairing off. When did that switch flip from when you were like 17, 18 and you're like not having kids to I really want to have kids? It happens pretty close at 30. Like this thing goes off in your brain and you're like, I need to procreate, make children, (laughs) robot style. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I will accept that answer. It happens. (laughs) It's weird. And then you're like, I don't know. You're like, what if, what if I just keep partying and I don't have kids and I really wanted that? And what if I can't have kids? What if I struggle with fertility? What if the, you know, yeah. you just, your brain just starts like, yeah, I maybe imagine. I should start now because what if it takes me 10 years? Like, who knows? Like, I don't know. All these things go through your brain you as a woman. Like, I sure hope I can still orgasm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we have like all these like things unfair. Going, going on in our head yeah. and we're thinking. Um, so Tyson and I get married. We wait about a year and then we have Charlie. 
So after all the on and off, where was the decision to get married? I mean, it was so, it was like a horrible story. Like it wasn't really that great. <laughs> okay. I, I did, right? I wrote a short, short story about it because it's so bad. Oh. And it just kind of like encompasses like what my marriage was. Like, meh. Um, I was like sitting on the couch one day. We had planned a trip to Costa Rica. I just really wanted to go there. And I wanted to go there with my significant other and mm. like do the trip thing. And I was drinking and checking out the website. And I'm like, oh, you can elope there. They have an elopement package cheers to that like let i was like hey like he was in another room playing computer games yeah. i was like want to get married they have elopement packages it's cheaper and he if was, we go get married yeah and he was like he was like sure i was like wait what did you say wait can we get married and he was like i mean yeah if you want to like is that how you want to do it Maybe. and he i was like i'm sure and he was like, okay. I was like, like, okay. And he was like, okay. And that was my engagement. Yeah. Costa Rica. So we got married in Costa Rica. There you go. Yes. Um, so and you said you waited a year and then. Yep. And then we had Charlie. Um, he really wanted kids. So that was definitely like check. Yeah. He, we agreed on politics. Check. Um, now I know that there's a lot more to a relationship what? than that. It's crazy. <laughs> but I checked two boxes and yeah. I was like, good enough. Let's do this. <laughs> what did it feel like? Um, again, projecting. Um, but what did it feel like to be once you were married, and especially once you had a kid, like to be in this relationship that was on and off and knowing like, I can't just turned off once in a while and go back you know does that make sense does that question yeah. make sense no i know and like yeah i'm trying to think back of what my brain was thinking and i think i put it i didn't let my brain go there yeah because i knew it and it was a scary thought to be like i'm with somebody who's really not right for me and now i have a child with him and he's really not a good match for me he's not necessarily a bad person yeah. but we are not compatible and he doesn't make me happy as a partner. Um, and I've just signed up for the long haul with him. And our views, even on raising children, are completely different. Our views on happiness are completely different. Our views on everything are different. Yeah. And it was just kind of like... Um, There's a bunch of unchecked boxes. There was There's a the... bunch of unchecked boxes. And yeah. it was just kind of like, well, that's what I signed up for. So this is where I'm at. Did having your first kid allow you to at least shift your focus to oh, being completely. a mother instead? Or? And it gave us both a lot of happiness. I mean, we both really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, well, your kids are adorable, so. Thank obviously. you. <laughs> we love being parents. Our I had a lot more stress as a parent. Like, I'm hard on myself about, you know, school stuff. And yeah. I was definitely really hard on myself as a parent. And... Um, I'm sure you've seen like social media and everything like the expectations for motherhood are a little extreme these oh. days. Like, uh, well, no. What do you mean by that? <laughs> the media posts, I mean, it's getting a little bit more real, but like, 
at first everybody had like their kid in the perfect outfit and they they like worked out and they did this and they had all the like you know my kid is one month my kid is one month and two weeks yeah. you know and like public all the, announcement it, you guys can feel free to not do this oh shit. my gosh it there <laughs> was someone like, that doesn't have kids that's that's okay I stressed myself out. I tried to, yes, I tried to keep up with all of it. I tried to like have everyone look perfect and everything perfect in my life. And it was a lot of work and it was, and I really struggled, um, with just being a mother and, um, I was really insecure with that. I mean, it's hard Yeah. and there's a lot of isolation and you feel alone and, yeah, it's hard. I wonder, I, I'm tying these things together in my head right now, and now I want to, like, You're, keep this in the back of my head. For, well, no, I want to, like, write a paper in, <laughs> in school. But I'm just thinking of the, the social media aspect. And in my head, I was like, I wonder if, you know, all this, because you don't see, the dads aren't posting that stuff. The dads no. aren't posting the kid on the blanket with the no. one and two and the three and the four. They're not. Um, it's always the mothers. And then you just mentioned... Uh, what I assume might be a reasoning behind it is like there's a level of isolation going on in those for that first year at least I imagine um, and I completely talking out of my ass because I don't have a kid but so reaching out in that way to get at least people on social media or to even interact. praise even yeah. praise that like I I'm doing that's, am that's I doing a good job from. as a mom am yeah. I doing this right is this it, picture good? like yeah i mean it's it's terrifying kids not bleeding everything's cool right (laughs) it's terrifying to be a mother and like you're constantly seeking out like did i do it right is this okay is my kid okay like yeah scary (laughs) yeah it's really scary to be a parent yeah um so how i guess then baby two comes along Right, right when you're probably getting used to being <laughs> Yes. I, like, had it in my head. Like, I want my kids this far apart because this is how far apart, like, my brother and sister and I were. And I want them to have a best friend. Okay. Which worked out. Because, yeah. as you see. Surprisingly get along well, yeah. They love each other. Like It's not the case with me and my brother. <laughs> I always, like, I'm really like, cute. this to this. No, I don't get it. Um yeah, no, they get along great. They're besties. It's awesome. It worked out. It was very challenging, and everybody thinks I'm crazy for getting pregnant a second time. <laughs> My pregnancies were really difficult. Mm-hmm. I had gestational diabetes with both, and I had hyperemesis, so I threw up all nine months. I was extremely sick. Jeez. Yeah. And, like, everybody thought I was insane doing it a second time because the first time did not go well. So I've heard, and I don't remember where, and I hope it's from a reputable source, but that there's the biological thing like in your brain that kind of makes you forget how terrible the pregnancy or the birth process was so you will have another kid it's true it's so weird it's weird (laughs) and the second i remember i got pregnant for the second time i was like no like i could feel it again i was nauseous i was puking so both pregnancies the the sugars kicked in it was awful and i was like why did i do this again and I love babies and I would love another one and that's messed up like but something happens and it's like the only thing better than cats and kittens are babies (laughs) this is coming from a professional she has six of them I am a cat farmer yes I'm a nurse and then cat farmer yes beautiful thanks (laughs) Um, so when do things start going in the direction with your husband that 
eventually. So the second pregnant pregnancy, okay, I was sicker than the first pregnancy. I was getting like the, I guess it's not postpartum, but it's partum depression, yeah. and um. I was really depressed through that second pregnancy. And then after I had Teddy, I ended up with horrible postpartum depression and ended up um, in Grand Rapids at Pine Rest getting some help um, because I I was really struggling. Um, And I think that's when we, I think we saw things starting to fall apart, but that's when things really started falling apart. Um, He didn't really want to deal with that. Yeah. It was definitely overwhelming. I get that. Um, I had to go through it, which was horrible. Who, whose choice was it? Um, what in that place in Grand Rapids at like a psychiatric hospital? Yeah, they had an outpatient clinic. It's okay. called the Mother Baby Program, which was amazing. And I actually got to bring Teddy with me. Oh, that's cool. I'd go there every day, and then I lived with Jessica for a bit. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how fun it was, but it was, it was good. Uh, I um, mean, Jessica's always there for me. So. Yeah. And I mean, what's your participation with your first kid during all during your second pregnancy? Because I imagine you're oh God. kind it was of awful. out of it, right? I remember crying at my OB's office and just telling her, like, my child just sits on a couch watching cartoons all day. And she's like, eh, it's just like, in the grand scheme of things, a really small amount of time, he'll be okay. Like, you've yeah. got to get through this pregnancy. And she was amazing OB. She's yeah. totally right. It was just a very small amount of time, but it felt like a lot, like yeah. he's sitting in front of the TV all day. But that's all I could do. I mean, I was throwing up from the second I woke up till like, God, that's... yeah, it was pretty bad. And I was really sick. And my blood sugars were all over the place. And, yeah. um, blood sugars would crash and I would pass out all the time and it was even hard like I'd have to save up every ounce of energy to make it through work because I still worked full time and I would puke at work too it's awful fun yeah great (laughs) really selling it Um, yes (laughs) so you decide you need to get outside help yes um it yeah I mean I yeah, I was really sick and I really needed help. And I sought that out myself. Um, I go get help. I come home. You're not fixed. I yeah. mean, I still um, had a lot of recovery to go through. Um, and then at that point, I just, I know we had like grown apart and that he wasn't really on board anymore. Um, it wasn't really what I think he felt like he had signed up for. Yeah. And um, at that point, he was just doing things I felt like to push me away so that I would file for divorce. There were a lot of little stupid things that happened. Um, <clears throat> we ended up going to a couples therapy. Um, and that just dragged for a bit. I mean, I think every session we all looked at each other, even the therapist and was like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't salvageable. Like we would repeat certain phrases and it'd be like, my therapist would be like, did you hear what he said? I was like, what? <laughs> you know? And he was like, okay, are you okay living the rest of your life like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. So, um, it, yeah, I mean, it finally, we had a big fight on Christmas Eve and um, 
I just said that's it. I'm done. I'm finally done. I'm done. And um, I remember I contacted my therapist and I let him know. And he was like super excited for me because mm. I think we all knew this. <laughs> and he was like, wow, I can't believe you like finally figured that out. That, yeah, you can do this. And um, then I was officially divorced in 2018. I it's got. Crazy that I keep thinking, oh, that was two years ago. I was like, oh no, last year didn't no. exist. I forgot. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I ended up with primary custody of both boys. It was, it was a messy divorce. It wasn't fun. Um, oh, it wasn't a walk in the park. <laughs> no, no, that was pretty challenging. Um, but we got through it. We're at a really good place now. That's good. So yeah. Yeah, and, and I, I imagine just you know having kids together, you have to figure out some sort of amicable yeah and that was the scariest part i think that i knew that i really wanted a divorce but as a mother thinking there are going to be periods of time that my kids are gone and i can't see them that's terrifying was there anything in you that's like conjured up oh my parents got divorced i don't want to do that like that prevented that from happening beforehand yeah i mean he and i even talked about that i remember having these conversations with him like i can't believe that all the parents you know that like got divorced in this generation he's like we're smarter than that we can work through anything and i was like yeah we could figure it out there's no need to get divorced and then it was like oh my god we need to get divorced Yeah. yeah and i I, yeah, I remember thinking, like, people that get divorced just don't try. <laughs> and now? <laughs> I didn't want to try anymore, and yeah. I'm glad I didn't, because yeah. I'm a lot happier. Yeah. And just being with him, I wasn't myself. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't myself at all. I wasn't happy, and I'm so much happier now. So Good. That's mm-hmm. good. That's that's good news. Yes. Um, can we talk about you getting sober? Sure. So, it was definitely an issue in my marriage. Yeah. Um, I was in complete denial. You know, he's like, I think you have a drinking problem. And no, I don't. You just don't drink enough. You know, like, you just need to <laughs> you have just more. Don't know how to party, you just don't know how to party with me. <laughs> like, it was the weirdest thing to me that my husband could have one beer and be done. I know. Who are those people? What is that? Get out of my life. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Yeah. I'd just be, you know, he'd be like, I just don't like the way it makes me feel and I get tired. I'm like, because you have to drink like 10 more. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> like you just are feel. doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, so he was like the first person who kind of like pointed out that like maybe I drink a little too much. Yeah. Um, and it was always a sore subject with him. Like, he was always watching me at every dinner party, at every time going out. Like, he was always, like, looking. Is she looking at the menu? Is she going to order something? Like, what is she doing? Like, I had these constant eyes on me. Yeah. And that was a horrible part of our relationship that I felt like a child and being watched. And I hated it. And it almost made me rebel more and drink more. I can relate very much to everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I... I was like, you're not the boss of me. I can do whatever I want. And I would tend to drink more because of that behavior that he had towards me. Um, I find myself pounding beers in the bathroom. (laughs) No big deal. Maybe I did that too. Um. (laughs) Beer beer shower. shower 
Oh, well, yeah, beer you gotta day. have shower beer. Shower beer. I take a non-alcoholic beer in there for shower beer. I love a shower beer. <laughs> Mow the lawn, shower great. beer. Great. Um, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, he, I mean, and definitely at points he had said, I'm leaving if you don't stop drinking. Um, there had been those fights in our relationship. It was just one aspect of our marriage that was like not good. Um, I didn't think I had a problem at the time and just was like oh he just doesn't know how to have fun even told our um therapist our couples therapist that like he thinks i drink too much i don't i just know how to have a good time and he can ruin every fun situation just by being there because he is boring which is still a true story but it had nothing to do with the drinking yeah um so I was, you know, starting to process that, thinking about it, um, and then going through the divorce, it, you know, I told you it was kind of difficult and, you know, we definitely were fighting for custody. And one of his big topics was that I was not a fit mother because I drank too much. Um, and that was something he was going for in court. So I chose to abstain from alcohol during my divorce. Um, and started talking to my therapist openly about it. Like, yeah. maybe I do have a problem because it was. Was all... it hard? Yeah. To drink during the divorce. Uh, um, not as hard yeah. as the most recent time I've been <laughs> drinking. Uh, excuse me, but um, I had so much on my mind. Like yeah. I was. I was in a state of shock. So I think that drinking wasn't as hard because I didn't have to think about not drinking because I just had yeah, so many had things on my mind. Go, like on, I yeah. I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, I didn't drink because I didn't do anything yeah. because I was just in such a state of shock. Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think back though. I'm trying to think back if it, <laughs> I remember talking about it and like trying to reacclimate to life, but there was just so much going on that I don't think it was as big of a topic. Um, however, before I was even officially divorced, I started dating again. Mm. Yeah. Back in the dating pool. I got back in the dating pool. I <laughs> dated a wonderful man that I'm still friends with. And we um, would go out to nice dinners. He liked to spoil me. And I hadn't been in restaurants as somebody who didn't drink and you know i was very open about saying like yes i don't drink alcohol is that okay with you um i had like a dating profile and i even said that on there i was like right out there about it and he's like yes it doesn't bug me at all does it bug you that i drink and i said no and i think after like our second date you know he was drinking a really nice glass of red wine and i was like you know what just pour me one too and I was back to drinking. Yeah. I was back there. And he and I would um, always, you know, go to dinner and share a bottle of wine and then go home and have wine. And then the next thing I knew, I was like drinking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, how it goes. <laughs> um, yeah. We dated for a while and then we realized, you know, we just weren't right for each other. He wanted to have kids. I just had a couple kids and. I just did that. It was horrible. Just did that. <laughs> um, and you know he was newly divorced and i was newly divorced and we were just kind of doing our thing um and i still kind of wanted to date other men and he didn't really like that. 
<laughs> new to the dating pool. And um, so then, yeah, I continued to drink. I um, didn't feel like I had talked myself out of having a problem again, which um, my therapist is wonderful and that he doesn't like... Um, he kind of lets me figure things out on my own, but he's there, to, so. <laughs> he's there to guide me. But yeah. he, you know, kind of knew that like the slippery slope of going out and dating, especially men who drink, was probably not a great situation for somebody seeking sobriety. Yeah. And we saw all those signs and he helped continually point them out. Danger, danger, <laughs> danger. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, till the point that... Um, I was completely, you know, addicted to alcohol and um, drank on a regular basis. And um, at that point, I was kind of like, shoot. (laughs) He was right. Oh, man. He was right. I kind of need some help and I don't know how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I struggled for a long time um, trying to do it on my own. And that didn't work for me. I mean, it's not that it can't work, but it didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, I just have a personality. It was way too easy for me to, like, grab a bottle of wine on the way home from a hard day at work. Yeah. And I just, like... Expert rationalization. Yes. Yes. I know I know that business. <laughs> yes. Um, I had a very difficult job. I was in management um, of a home care company. It was very stressful, very demanding I was drinking a whole lot. Um, I had gone to a physician and cried in her office and said, I am dependent on alcohol. I'm terrified. I need help. You know, but she was kind of like trying to talk me out of it. Like, are you having any issues at work? I'm like, She's no. She's like, you're here for a physical. <laughs> I'm like, no, but I, you know, after three days of not drinking, I can't. I feel like I can't get past that third day. And I remember her prescribing me Xanax to detox on my own. And I came back and I told her it didn't work. I still needed to drink. And now I'm addicted to Xanax. And (laughs) she said, you know what you need to do? Just get your life together. Just get it together. You just need to get yourself together. And I remember just sitting there and crying and saying, I don't know how to do that. There's a lot of stuff I know how to do and I'm really good at. And I don't know how to do this. And I'm scared and I'm terrified. And I just thought, I'm just going to drink forever because I don't know how to do this. Yeah. I can't figure this out. There's so many things I'm good at and there's so many things I can do and I cannot do this. And that drives me crazy. So Did that trigger into that, like, you yeah. want to have control, but this was something that you did not have control over? Yeah. I mean, I just have one of those personalities. I want to be the best at everything. Yeah. And I could not be good at this. I could yeah. not be good at getting sober. I could be good at drinking. <laughs> Good drinker. <laughs> um, I was even like so functional. Like I was, yeah. oh my god, so good at being a hard worker, hungover, and like, yeah. um, just powering through. When yeah, I made life so much more difficult than it needed to be. Yeah. So, I end up like the final straw was it was like 10 o'clock in the morning on one of my days off and the kids wanted to go to the arcade so i filled my coffee cup coffee cup with some beer 
in the morning because yeah. my anxiety was just so horrible. Uh, thinking back, it was work. My anxiety was about my anxiety. It was about my work, like drinking. It was about everything. Yeah. It was just, you know, no, I felt like my life was out of control. Um, and I, it was really weird. Like every game at the arcade, I started winning. I was like at that sweet spot. Like every game, every button I touched, like, oh, everything was like ringing in the arcade. Yeah. I kept, I won the big ball. I won the big bear. Like I won everything. And the whole arcade is just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like keep winning. And I look down. Charlie has like little heart eyes. And he's like, mom, I love you so much. You're the best mom in the world. And he's like holding all these toys that I got for him. And I'm like holding a beer in my hand. And I'm like, Whoa. I had like this weird moment of sobriety where I was like, this isn't okay. Yeah. This is bad. And that's like a weird rock bottom moment, but that was like my rock bottom moment. I yeah. was just like, my kid loves me so much and this is ridiculous. Like, this is no way to live. I don't want to live like this. So I remember I like packed him up in the car. I drove him home drunk, you know, like any good mom does. And um, I called like a 1-800 substance abuse hotline. Yeah. Um, I called my ex-husband and told him I was having endometriosis issues, which I do struggle with endometriosis. So I told him I was going to have to go. another thing that needs a light shine down it. Right. (laughs) Yes. And so that was very common to him because that was constantly an issue. So that wasn't like weird. And so I was like, I think I'm going to have to call an ambulance like I usually do. And um, he's like, okay, I'm coming to get the kids. And I was bawling because of like, I knew, like, I was calling finally to get help. So he picks up the kids, and um, it was the most bizarre situation ever. This is, like, the weirdest thing ever. Um, They're like, how badly do you want to be sober? And I'm like, "Uh, like, bad? Like, real bad? Like, what's the answer? Like, the people on the phone, like, the counselors. I'm like, real bad. And they're like, what would you do for a Klondike bar? Like, what would you, like, how much would you do to get sober? I'm like, like is the answer anything like i don't know what's the answer like i'm shit faced while i'm doing this too and i'm like i really want to be sober and they're like okay we're sending you a plane ticket to your phone right now will you get on the plane and i was like what where am i going they're like boston you're going to boston what and i'm like now and they're like yeah it's like at the traverse city airport you're getting on a plane and i'm like now and they're like, I'm like, can I drink the whole way there? Because if I stop drinking, like, I'll, like, I can't make it. They're like, you can drink the whole way there. Like, just get yourself to the airport. We're going to call you at the airport. Make sure you're walking on the plane. And then we will, I want you to call us when you get off the plane and make your connection. And we're going to follow you the whole way there. You can drink the whole time. That is fine. And then when you get to Boston, you're going to get off. There's going to be a big black tinted Suburban. You're going to get in it. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, like, I'm intoxicated right now, but this does not sound safe. This, I think I heard about this, is called sex trafficking. (laughs) Because they're asking me, like, what do you look like? How tall are you? What are you going to be wearing? Like, all these different things. I'm like, are you kidnapping me? And they're like, no. And I'm like, how do I trust you? Like, I'm so vulnerable right now. This is so scary. And they're like, you just have to trust us. We'll have the rehab facility call you. How do I know it's the rehab facility? I mean, it could be some guy in a cubicle like you are coming to this room. They're like, yeah, we know you're coming here. We've got your room ready, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, 
So maybe I'm going to die and never see my kids again. But if I keep drinking, I'm never going to see my kids again and probably die. So because I don't have much to lose. So I get on a plane. I go to Boston. I get off a plane. I am shaking. I'm just sweaty from detoxing and being so scared that this is my end of my life. Um, I take this a thing they do. This is crazy. This is real. This is real. And I take a picture of the license plate. I am texting a sobriety coach who I still talk to in my group. And I'm telling him, like, this is what the car looks like. This is what the license plate looks like. If I disappear, like, you're the only person that knows. You have to come find me. Like, he pulled up Google Maps. We're following it together. And he's like, I think you are going to a rehab facility. I'm like, are you sure? And he's like, I see one here in Quincy, Mass. Yeah, I think you're going. I'm like, so I'm not going to die. He's like, I think you're not going to (laughs) die. And I'm like, okay, I get there. It looks like a rehab facility, hopefully. I have to turn in my phone. So like, he's like, okay, I'm going to make some calls. And he's like, call me when you can. Like, just tell me that you're alive and everything. And then so I get to my rehab facility. It's legit. But that's like... Scary. Yeah, that's... that's Terrifying. Borderline throw you in the back of a van and... And And believe me, every single person at like our first, second meeting, we we all tell our story of getting there. Yeah. And we're all dying laughing because I'm like, did you think you were being... Did you think you were being sold? Yes. Every girl said they were like in fetal positions, screaming in the back. Like, yes. And we're... Yes. Yeah. So... This is real. <laughs> That's crazy. I had no idea. I didn't yeah. know this. So I lived in Boston for a month. Um, was 100% what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. I needed to be away from alcohol for like that, even just that little, it was such a small amount of time, but I couldn't make it past like three days. And I needed um, that time to focus on myself as a mother. I don't focus on myself at all. And so... Um, when you're away from every possible trigger that you could have. It was amazing. We, we meditated together every day. We, they, there was AA every day. There was like big book. Then there was like commitment where they had people from the community come in and tell, that was like my favorite. Um, they would tell like their stories and there were some really funny people who like were so awesome telling their stories. And then, like, we got to work out every day. They made our meals. We met one-on-one with our therapists, our counselors, like, social workers. And we, like, worked out plans and figured things out. And it was, like, the first time, like, in the community. Like, I talked to you about community. And um, I didn't think I needed community. And that was so amazing. And I still talk to, like, six people from rehab on a regular basis. And they're really awesome people. And, um I do need that community and like being locked in a building during COVID with like 30 people all going through the same thing, waking up, crying in the small room together, telling our deepest, darkest secrets. Like you can't help but like learn to love these people instantaneously and like feel like, wait, you did that too? Like we're not alone and we're all together in this and like maybe it's not us maybe it's the alcohol like yeah, yeah there's there's a weird um I, don't, I almost want to say victory when you're talking about something that you are positive that no one else uh, experiences and then mm-hmm. it turns out like everyone else experiences right <laughs> your eyes just light up like wait that's yeah. my story yeah wait 
we're the same. Like yeah. I'm not alone. So that was really cool. And that was like the jump start to my sobriety. Um, which is funny. I came home after four weeks and my mom said, are you fixed now? It's <laughs> how it works. Just flip you, the switch. You know, who only takes a good four weeks and then you're golden. Yeah. But um, no, that was like such a pivotal moment and just like such a, an important time for me. Um, it was the first time I've really had hope. I remember calling Clara um, and telling her, hi, I'm in Boston. And she's like, oh my God, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm in rehab. And she just started crying and was like, this is all I've ever wanted. Like, don't ever get me a Christmas or birthday present again. This is like all I've ever wanted. And like, I, you have no idea how happy I am and how many nights I've gone without sleep because of you, which was awful to hear from my sister. Um, But like, she was my biggest support and still is one of them. And Yeah, Clara's never drank. She's really never just, she was one of those weird people that just didn't. Get it didn't, together, normies. She <laughs> didn't like it. She didn't like yeah. the way it made her feel, and she just didn't like it. And she was really smart and saw how it affected people and just, like, didn't want to do that. Yeah. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> well, do, do you want to share your sobriety date? Um, It is at October 24th. Yay. 1024. Yeah, 1024. Right around the corner. I turn, well, I turned 40 on the 21st, and then the 24th is my sobriety date. <laughs> happy so. birthday, birthday. In yeah. October, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of my story. And then, um, you know, from there, I've just, it's kind of, I call it my choose-your-own-adventure sobriety, because <laughs> I don't really, like, pick or choose one strategy. Some people, yeah. like, stick with AA. I have nothing against AA. There are components of it that I think are amazing, and I utilize those. Yeah, sure. um, there are parts of it I hate. Yeah, for sure. I want nothing to do with that. Um, refuge recovery, I don't know if you've looked into that. Sure, it's more those. of, like, a Buddhist approach, which is pretty cool. Um, obviously, working one-on-one with my therapist, who is also specialized in substance abuse therapy. And then, um, you know, Annie Grace. It's kind of like my goddess. Yeah, which I am struggling so bad with the title of that book. Naked Mind. This yeah, Naked Mind. This Naked Mind. Yeah, I, no, and I was just, I kept seeing her name at the top of the book and I was like, but what does the title say? And I've talked Tiana. about it so many times on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which if anybody hasn't already, because I've talked about it, but uh, yeah, read that book. It's so good. There's a the I mean, audible version of it. That's what I listen to. Yeah. yeah. There's... The, like it sticks with me and I've told so many people to listen to this the first the like the preface where she yeah. describes waking up at three in the morning I was like it, how it, do you know me like yeah, it, was, yeah. it was get out of my fucking head yeah <laughs> it was it was so uh impactful and it's like literally two paragraphs yeah uh, and it's it was insane um and that kicked off the entire book for me and yeah I, I Her, love, love that book the, the thing I love most about her is there's compassion and forgiveness and it's not so like um i think all the previous approaches had never been successful for me because there was so much guilt yeah there was so much shame and i had already been living that my whole life and it was just more of that and it was awful and i didn't want to feel like that anymore and um just her compassionate non-biased like approach to recovery is just awesome and what everybody needs yeah i'm so happy for you yeah That's, yeah and um and i think that brings us current <laughs> yeah but uh 
yeah that that I'm, that's that's so great and i'm so happy that, mm-hmm. that you found that and um yeah now i got a, I got another sober friend yay sober <laughs> friend um and is there anything i didn't cover you want to talk about i think <laughs> ran the gambit like everything <laughs> I think that's my life in a nutshell. Well, perfect. That's your life in in, in about an hour. Yeah. I assume. A little over. That's fine. (laughs) I'm going to take these off then. Uh, Do your ears hurt up here? Yeah, what's that? The glasses. Oh, it presses those (laughs) together. It's always right there. I'm like, what? I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? All right, you just heard my interview with Mindy. You guys, I love, so obviously the sobriety stuff at the end. I love that. I love that so much. And again, that book is called This Naked Mind by Annie Grace that we talked about. Check it out. Even if you're like a little curious, it's it's worth it. It's so good. And and then all the stuff, uh, she's just so open with her her marriage and the struggle she had, like getting into school and, and, you know, responsibility in general and so much stuff and her, her issues with motherhood when she first had her kids, just so much stuff. I really, really love this interview. Uh, I'm so glad that we got to sit down and like she said, October 24th is her sober birthday. So go ahead and shoot her a message and say, happy birthday. It's less than a month from now. And that is super awesome. I, I'm so excited for her. I'm so happy for her. And I'm so thankful that we got to do this uh, podcast episode together. So thank you, Mindy. And thank you, everyone listening. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash friendrequestpod to become a Patreon and get bonus stuff and all that good stuff. <laughs> I ran out of words. <laughs> it's better than that, I promise. All right, I will talk to you guys next week. Until then, take care of yourselves and I love you. Okay? Bye-bye.